welcome to the Lifelinks podcast, all you sassy Latinas. This is where you come to hear stories that resonate with you, that lift your spirits, lighten your burdens, and bring the comunidad to you. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, and also the creator of this content. If there's anything you'd like to share, please reach out to us on our Instagram social media at Lifelinks or through our website at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X. We have amazing guests come on and share. If you'd like to be a guest, come join us. If you want to sit and listen, we are grateful. So sit back, have your cafecito, maybe your vino, whatever you like. We are bringing the sisterhood to you. Hola, chicas. It's that midweek celebration with the Lifelinks podcast. I am so grateful that you're here with us today. And hopefully you had a restful holiday weekend and ended it yesterday with some Carnival, Fat Tuesday, or Mardi Gras, whichever way you roll, celebration. No matter how you are feeling today, or where you may find yourself in life at this moment, today's guest is bound to lift you up, embolden you to take risks, and be a profound source of positivity for you. Leticia Lopez Area Director and Revenue Strategist at Ambridge Hospitality, is here with us today to share her journey and powerful insights of manifesting the life you want using two specific tools, surrounding yourself in gratitude and positivity and setting year-end goals one quarter at a time. I know it sounds like a chore, but what she brings to the surface is that we do this all the time anyway. The best part, Leticia helps us realize that in each aspect of life, we are successful when we love ourselves first. So welcome to the show, Leticia. Glad to have you here. So grateful for you to spend your time with us today. Thank you very much. I'm really grateful to be on your show today. And to be able to talk about some topics that aren't necessarily discussed in our heritage. Yes, yes. Very vivacious on this platform. Uh, being able to speak our truth in a place where it's well-received and it's a safe place to discuss it because it's understood. Why don't you introduce a little bit about yourself, of your heritage, and what it was like for you growing up? Okay. I am a second-generation Mexican-American on my mother's side and actually third-generation my father's side. So my father's side from Texas, they all kind of migrated over to the northern part of Indiana. That's where um, my wow. father ended up meeting my mother and, you know, her family. They started a traditional courtship when they were younger. What everybody in both sides of my family used to say is, you know, they did it the right way because <laughs> where we came from, it wasn't necessarily the, you know, most grand of neighborhoods, right? So it was lower income housing, um, but we grew up in the area of town that was considered to be a little bit more affluent. My mother and father, after they got married, she became the traditional stay at home woman. 
Um, They knew that they wanted to have a couple of children. My father would be able, you know, to go off and work once he was able to at the age of 18. Went to go and work with my grandfather at a still mill that wasn't too far from their neighborhood. Uh huh. The reason why my father ended up going to follow my grandfather at the corporation that he was at was because my dad actually had a learning disability when he was growing up. So he dropped out of school when he was 15 years old. Oh. Um, And actually, right around the time that he started dating my mother, he still had a very um, strong speech impediment. And my mother was the one who was able to help him work through that. I definitely remember growing up in the house and feeling as though we did have everything, quote unquote, done the right way. Mm. Um, We were the house that hosted all of the holiday parties. And my father's side and my mother's side were always together. They were always hanging out to the point where I didn't realize who was whose brother or sister. (laughs) You know, I I didn't know. Yeah, because they were always together. Everyone always wanted to be at our... It was just really fun. And my sister and myself, I think you kind of take that for granted when you're younger of, you Mm -hmm. know, being the one that hosts the holiday parties Mm -hmm. and things like that. Right. Um, yeah. So we were able to grow up with having you know, both of our parents together and family around all the time and um, you know, receiving a good education, things like that. Wow. And yeah, just just feeling as though we it was really happy times, you know, especially when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful start. That's a powerful start of that community. Was there a point where you felt a cultural shift? Where you felt like, oh, now there's less of people like me in representation. Was it as you got older or when you went to work or did you feel confident? I would definitely say once I started receiving positions after receiving my degree, those types of career positions, that's Mm. when I became more aware that not everyone has experienced the same sort of strife and things of that nature that I have, or it would be something that would come off as just so daunting and striking. Mm. Now, yeah, I think that a lot of times, especially in Hispanic culture, we we don't talk about things publicly. We don't talk about them in a loud way. I guess that's outside of our comfort zone is to do things in an outward and direct way. But, I mean, you can still be opinionated outward and direct within your organization or within whatever industry or field that you're in. And if you do that from the inside, that's going to definitely have the highest impact. It's not enough just to shout about and be upset about everything that's on the news or upset about what's going on with different policies in our country and things like that. Like, what are you doing from the inside? Are you talking about it? Are you having those uncomfortable conversations with the decision makers on the inside? Yeah, which can feel threatening. You're struggling with both cultures. One being taught, no, don't cause trouble. Don't stick out. Just do what they say and you'll fit in. And then the system itself, whether it's corporate or societal or academic, will have that very subtle 
threat of if you speak out, then it becomes a, oh, we told you so. And Uh so I like to see this platform as a way of encouragement, as a safe place to speak your truth and to feel bolstered by other women. If you know other women feel the same way, then it becomes that roar we're talking about. I think I kind of look forward to people thinking that they can say, I told you so. (laughs) I look forward to, you know, as soon as someone says that that's not the way it shouldn't be done or that's not the way it hasn't been done before or, you know, Mm -hmm. you're fired if you say something like that, that's for them. Like that is just your own projection that you're putting onto me. But there's a way to go about things where it's going to feel like for yourself, at least, you know, if you're doing things in a positive way and you're coming to a meeting with negativity or some sort of aggression in your voice, then it's going to be perceived differently, right? Yeah, it's all in the way that we are presenting these subjects. I think because when it's a subject matter like this, there tends to be not a sensitivity, but you're just angry, right? And you're leading with that emotion of anger. Mm -hmm. You can hear anger in people's voices when they're talking about it. How would you recommend to women to take that anger out prior to being in a room where you're presenting this or being in an environment where you're presenting this? How do you get that out of your system on such a volatile and emotional subject? That's where you have to turn things around for yourself internally. And it's not just professional, but it's also in your personal life as well. If you're leading with anger, you're not going to be heard, right? Even the words are angry or the tone is angry. It's going to go over everyone's head. It's going to come off as emotional. You know, that person's leading with emotion. So the best way that I find to do things is to remind myself of positive outcomes that I'm wanting to come from this. It'll start to get better. It'll start to grow and it'll start to change. You have to think about what you're wanting that end goal to be as if it is a reality. That end goal will happen, you know. So in our lives, in my life, there will be a time where we're going to see things progressively changing. How do we do that? How do we turn from the anger Mm -hmm. to being able to have words that are going to promote progressive change? How do you become heard? Well, you have to change that entirely. You have to change the anger aspect out of it. As soon as you have that, all of the decision makers in the room will kind of look at each other like, oh, this person, this overly emotional Latina over here. Passion, I feel, is where that stereotype came from, right? Mm-hmm. And we're very passionate. So, But just finding a different channel to put that passion into is the mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. where else can I put this? How can mm-hmm. I put this into something so things will physically become better? It's hard when you're just sort of living your life in survival mode. Yes, that is a huge so, aspect. Right, because when you're living your life in survival mode, it's, you know, how do I get out of this, right? Mm-hmm. So my daughter and myself, we left her father when she was one years old. And I only had just like a garbage bag of our clothes. That's it for our belongings. Wow. And I took up a room in my Thea's house. And I told myself, 
we're going to be here for one year. We shared this one bedroom together for one year. But it took a lot of being myself out of the mentality of feeling beat down, mm-hmm. feeling like I was just surviving, mm-hmm. knowing that a year or two, I wanted her to experience waking up somewhere different and seeing her mom as different, you know? But that's what I was looking forward to was that end goal. So did you carry that as an innate personality trait of yours? Or where did you learn to remove yourself from that survival aspect? Because that's what we're raised in for many reasons, not just financial, but even identity wise, you're on your own always. And you're just trying to survive and, and get away from it without ever having some sort of goal. So where did you learn to have that goal aspect in your thinking? I'm not too sure where the goals came from, but I definitely do know that I started feeling as though I was projecting my life based on my own feeling. There were people that I knew that always seemed to have bad luck on, right? There was always like a great cloud over them. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that those were the same people that were either always in a bad mode or always focusing on the negative. Yes. Right. I wanted my life to project from my feelings and thoughts of positivity and happiness. So I had to change that first about myself. I couldn't continue thinking, this is awful. Woe is me. Life is so hard. What am I going to do? I need money. All of those things. So I started just realizing that if I became a person who was grateful for what I had, then and there, and just try to work on things little by little, then eventually those things will feel easier. Nothing could feel harder for me at that time. So it could only get easier from there. So when it was May of 2017, I was coming on graduating with my bachelor's degree because I went back to school for my bachelor's I was able to graduate with honors. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. While raising a baby and while um, supporting her financially on my own, you know, all those other things. Of course, my mommy was there. I had that support system for my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And she was watching the baby with me. And the same thinking that I had when she was very small was she's not going to remember X amount of nights that I was in here when she's younger. I need to do this now, you know? Yeah. I need to be aware that I was given this opportunity, so I have to do the best as far as my grades were concerned. When I was coming up on receiving my bachelor's, in my mind, just kept thinking to myself, okay, now with this degree, you're going to obtain a job where you're making X amount of dollars in salary so you can provide more to Eva for resources, things like that. This is what we have to do this now that we have this paper. You've got to go out there and you've got to use it. Don't be scared because my biggest thing was always yeah. being comfortable. I've yes. been so grateful, right? So when you don't yeah. have much and then you get a little bit, you're so grateful yeah. for it that you're scared. You know, am I not being grateful if I take this next thing? So I just kind of kept mentally preparing myself. You know, it's not a bad thing if you begin to job search for something with a different opportunity because now you've possessed this degree, right? 
Right. So I walked in my commencement. That was on Saturday. And by Monday, the very following Monday, I walked yeah. into the office and the owner of the business, he basically just told all of us directly that there was some sort of a finance issue that they were having as a company and they were going to lay all of us off. Oh, so that oh, was a couple Lord. days after receiving. Oh, my Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I remember just kind of like stunned in the parking mm-hmm. lot. Got home. I cried it out because I'm still supporting my baby all on my own. What happened? <laughs> I just got my degree and now I'm laid off. I took a shower and I got out of the shower and I was like, wait a minute. That's why I got laid off, right? Yeah. Because I did just get my degree. And I had in my thoughts and in my feelings saying that I was going to go out there and I was going to get a job that was going to be more prosperous for our lives. But it's almost as though there was a force, a something, an all telling, a knowing that I Mm -hmm. as a comfortable person probably wouldn't do or maybe it would take me six months to a year. Uh huh. So that was the first time that I learned with every, you know, closed door, there's going to be one to open up some more opportunities. Yeah. And I was, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Everything's going to be okay. Let me mm-hmm. take this time to myself. Let me take this time to love on Eva because I oh. hadn't seen her that much since I was working, <laughs> going straight to school. Mm-hmm. So I took about a month to myself just to, be there with her and be with my family. I was going out as normal lunches, movies, things like taking a little break. Yeah. The job that I ended up getting when they were talking about salary, it was 15000 more than in my mind frame was a dollar amount that we support ourselves on. So to me, that was great. I was like, this yeah. is amazing. And then I was only there for about six months, and then they announced that they were doing a mass layoff themselves. So I was laid off twice. How you stay positive in this is really amazing. So you're laid off again within just months of being laid off. Okay, and then? Yeah, (laughs) and this was actually about two weeks before Christmas. So my Oh, that's cruel. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just cruel now. Okay. (laughs) So my immediate thought was, okay, do I return her gifts? What do I need to do for this? You know, because we still have bills that are going to be coming in and things like that. And then I was like, wait, stop. What are you doing? You know Mm -hmm. that the biggest thing is your power of your thoughts and what you think of yourself and what you can still do. And you're fine and things are going to be okay. You made more money than what you were making previously. You have some money that is saved away. Things are different now. It's even Mm -hmm. better than what it was before. Mm -hmm. So when the new company that was taking over the assets came to headquarters, I was one of the ones chosen to have a director of position with that company. The universe heard you. (laughs) Exactly. The universe was listening. You were manifesting what you needed. Right. You know, and that's the biggest thing, though, is, you know, manifestation, I think a lot of people sounds really hokey, Mm -hmm. but the power of your thoughts is Mm -hmm. huge because you're thinking about that in yourself. Mm -hmm. That's where people tend to stay there 
in their low times because they still think that way about themselves. Yep. Whether it was because they grew up in a house that taught them to think that way about themselves or they were in relationships. That is so on point. As a child, you're just going to accept what you're told for the most part because you right. feel powerless to older people or people that are in situations that you haven't learned yet. And right. it really takes some self-awareness or a hard stop or something that throws you off that thinking to reevaluate as you get older and establish yourself as, no, wait a minute, I have all this power. It's difficult to walk away from your comfort zone, walk away from your known and go out on your own and establish that group of people who see you for who you really are. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. As soon as you say you can't, you're not able to. Keep saying that you can. Keep trying and you're going to be able to go and do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that magic exists and it exists within you and you have the power to bring it out of you. It does help. And it's almost vital to be in a scenario that you presented, someone who believes in you, someone who encourages you, someone who will still be there when you take that risk, that leap of faith. And maybe you're not successful the first time that they could come back to and say, ah, I can't do it. Yes, you can. I believe okay. in you. Yes, you can. Which again is why we do this platform is we believe, we believe this way and it's not a narrative that we hear commonly outside uh, on any given day, at any right. age. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to manifest that on your own because you're having and so much self-doubt from everything. So your mom was a traditional stay-at-home mom, yet you moved into a career mode. Did you have a mentor or was it pure encouragement from your parents to move into a professional life? I didn't necessarily have too much of a mentor one of my cousins, her name is Marisa, she was a couple of years older than me. It always seemed as though I was following a couple of years behind her. Mm. So when she became a single mother, I saw everything that she was experiencing with her two boys. Mm -hmm. And when I became a single mother, she was actually the first one to talk yeah. to me about pulling myself out of that rut and needing wow. to do what I had to do for my daughter. But as far as the career side is concerned, I think that once I began to change my mentality to have a positive shift and to mm -hmm. think very highly of myself and what I was capable of, that's when things began to open up to me. Mm -hmm. I started to see that there were different opportunities out there and who am I to turn down different opportunities? So I just started yeah. taking them. Because the worst that could happen is I could fail at it. So what? Then you move on to something new. Uh, again, not a cultural mindset. The threat of failure can be easily set up in at a very young age where the expectation is you will not fail. And with that burden, with that, I don't want to call it a threat, but feeling that if I fail and I not only fail myself, I fail my parents because the expectations are don't fail and which can, like you say, limit your dreams, limit your goals, keep you in a safe place. So as you don't fail mm -hmm. and at what point would you advise someone to check in, to check in and say, is this what you really want and take that risk? 
How do you encourage Latinas to take that risk? And like you say, it's okay to fail. I'll just go on and do something else. That is not a common feeling <laughs> for most of us. I think the biggest thing is to realize that if you live your life as a person who loves themselves, then you are willing to take those risks. Mm. So a person who loves themselves isn't going to turn away any sort of opportunities. They're not going to feel as if they can't do something. They're going to feel as though they can. A person mm -hmm. who loves themselves will forgive themselves in times where they're feeling as though they failed. I don't even like the word fail. Yeah. Because I don't think about myself as, you know, if something happened and it was just a little bit of a sideways street of my life. It's not really a failure. It's an opportunity that came into my life that I was able to grow and learn from. Mm -hmm. So I think the person who mostly impacted how I could just do anything without feeling as though I had to listen to outside people about what I was going to do, how I could mm -hmm. experience more of that bravery would mm -hmm. probably be when the dynamic in my family did shift. So oh. I was able to grow up with my two parents together, you know, mm -hmm. throughout all of my childhood, all of my teen years. My mother, um, she supported herself with having her hair salon business, which I think was a really big deal in knowing that, you know, she as a woman owned her own business in the 90s. That was yeah. big for me that she did that. And she did it in a way that she just seemed happy all the time. I didn't see her stress at all about it. She always seemed happy. Um, which I'm sure that there were challenges in, you know, owning yeah, this. Yeah, sure. But um, when I was about to go into high school, my parents had a conversation with my sister and where my mom actually ended up coming out and saying that she was a lesbian. And I remember being a child and feeling so stunned in these words, like, how could you be? I've known you my entire life. And this isn't Aww. something that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But as I became an adult, I realized that she sacrificed so much and took so much bravery from her to live a life that was not necessarily the lifestyle that she wanted for herself, but she was living her life for everyone else, for her mm -hmm. parents, her brothers and sisters, for all of their friends. You know, I talked about how we grew up in a house where everyone came over and they always yeah. saw them as doing everything, quote unquote, the right way. She still made the choice wow. finally to say, I love myself enough to know that this isn't who I am. And I did mm -hmm. this for my family. You know, she does love us so much, but she yeah. needed to start to love herself. So as long as you're wow. loving yourself, there isn't really anything that you're going to be able to do in a professional or a personal city that is going to be the wrong thing. It's always going to be the right thing as long as you're loving yourself and making sure that you're doing these decisions for yourself. Oh, I love that. I love that. We need to hear that out loud. We do need to hear that very root fuel that you can take yourself out of your comfort zone and out of the expectation and move into the unknown. And as long as you're loving yourself, the expectations are what they are. They are what they are because at least you're living true to yourself. In, in right. that, your joy. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story. I can't imagine. That's very courageous. That's in your DNA. 
that's your life links, the thread of power from just believing in yourself. And like you said before, doing what you have to do in the moment and have faith of the future outcome in your lifetime, it will still happen. Let's touch back on what you were saying about in career mode and when opportunities present themselves, because especially now with a lot more information coming to the surface, the conversation being wide open, Latinas, women of color, we may not always have those opportunities presented to ourselves. There is the wage gap disparity. There is the stereotype that we're battling, the bias that we're battling. So for women in general, opportunities may not be there. How do you encourage women to go find the opportunity? Because we know systemically with the wage gap and with the ideal of this bias of not expecting the intelligence or not expecting the capacity to be a professional at a higher management executive level, how do you go find those opportunities? I think a lot of times we don't realize that those opportunities are out there because we don't have conversation to tell each other where to find them. Mm. Even in high school now, you know, it would be so great if there would be classes or teaching opportunities on where you would be able to find government grant for things. And I'm speaking oh. more so specifically to, you know, high schools and lower income housing neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. There was conversation in your household that had to do with where to find these. At. But nowadays you live with so many resources on the internet, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. There's just so many things out there that are available to us. Uh-huh. They, okay, well, if I know my goal is to be able to get a job that is going to be something that's going to provide me a little bit more flexibility in my home life, you're able to go out onto the internet and being able to search for what that is mm -hmm. and search for the reviews on those companies, True. you know, what everyone yep. else is seeing and what everyone else is saying. The internet's mm -hmm. a great tool to be able to do that, but also utilizing our networking skills with each other. Yeah. If we're not using each other for our highest impact moments in life, then we're kind of missing being able to share those opportunities with one another. If you find someone who has done really well in their lives, ask them how they did it. What were the things that they did? You have to create that network of understanding, of empathetic people who understand what you've gone through so far to get to this point. Because right. without that, and it's, again, only now coming to the surface. If you don't understand what someone is being raised in and their cultural mm -hmm. standards and the expectations, the advice doesn't apply. The recommendations, the, even the guidance doesn't apply. Right. We really need to be there for each other and then carry that, like you say, impact the larger system from right. the inside. You made me remember something also because it's not just also having that positive networking influence in your life around you, but recognizing the negative ones who are the oh. naysayers. Where are those people in your life that are giving you that advice because they're coming from an unhealthy toxicity 
um, based on whatever their surrounding environment was. Because mm-hmm. it will not just be friends, but it might also be family members who have mm-hmm. yet to work through some of those things to get to a healthy point. Mm. So recognizing those people that are mm-hmm. also just saying you can't, you won't, you will not, keeping that distance from them and only allowing them to know so many certain parts of your life while you're continuing to accomplish everything. Oh, it's creating the boundaries, yes. keeping what's really important to you and as that you want to move forward in away from that challenge, away right. from that opinion, knowing that it's going to be not in alignment with you will probably yeah. be a negative one. Yeah, that tends to be a, a spillover of their own fear. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can't do it, you can't do it mentality and keeping themselves in that little fishbowl. You know? Exactly. Even if it's, say, your Diaz, they're telling you that you can't do something. It's not necessarily like out of malice. They're not saying no. it to be mean or malicious towards you. It's because of no. that fear mm-hmm. of them having able to have done this or mm-hmm. afraid for you to lose your job or afraid for you yeah. to you know, have something fail. They don't want to see that. Immediately their mindset goes towards that negative. Because they were in more of a survival. They came and they did this courageous leap. And like you were saying earlier, it's a survival aspect that given the times that we're being raised in, being the, the times that we're moving into our professional careers, we can gratefully, because of what's been done by the generations ahead of us, move into, like you were saying, a non-survival, more of a thriving, a goal setting. We can have what we want because of what was done before. But if prior generations aren't experiencing that, are still surrounded by the old mentality, that is difficult for them Mm -hmm. to be able to speak to because it's just not part of their daily life in the same way. Right. Because they um, see themselves as having so much more than the generation before them. Yeah. They just feel as though, hey, this is a comfortable spot. We're content in this. This is enough. This is good enough for us. We're okay. Well, but it's it's not good enough for us. So let's tap into that a little bit because you speak to it. Yes, our Latin identity is well rooted in our existence. We can't explain what we were born with, mm-hmm. right? But it is different and it brings something different to the table. Yes, tap into that when things get difficult. And so how do you carry it as your identifier, as your person into your profession when you're in a corporate presence? Because you're not blending in. So can you give us some ideas of like, how are you bringing it forward? What does it look like when we're in a professional environment with you? I think it looks like confidence and resilience resilience is a really strong characteristic. You need to be able to present yourself as a person who is calm no matter what the situation is going on. And that's in Mm. any corporate job whatsoever. Sure, There's always going to be those deliverables, those demands, maybe a couple of fire drill meetings, you know, maybe a quarter didn't go so hot or something like that. You have to be able to go into these things knowing that you've already been through so much that this is just another meeting 
And this mm-hmm. is just another uh, situation that we're going through and we're, you know, all going to be able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So you have to still come off as positive, calm, and collected in any sort of situation. Then how is it looking like from your peers? How are they saying, oh, this is a professional Latina. This isn't what we were thinking. This is what a professional Latina looks like. What do you think they're viewing? Because they would associate someone who's calm and confident as like, well, oh, that's what we do. When they're seeing a professional Latina, I think they're viewing confidence more than anything. We're very sure of ourselves. We're very assertive. Um, I'm going to speak to someone directly and not subliminally. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, especially because when you're working within an organization where you do communicate with your business peers pretty regularly, you want to make sure that you're speaking clear and concise. But I do think that a lot of Latina women, if there's one thing that we all possess as a remarkable trait, it is going to be resilience. We've all gone through so many different Mm -hmm. challenges and Mm -hmm. we do it with this humble demeanor. And Mm -hmm. we also do it with not necessarily um, requiring any affirmation of praise or anything like that. We're doing it because this is what we feel empowered to do. I don't think there's ever been a time that I've been able to stumble into a Hispanic household and not hear <laughs> the mom or the tia clearly say what needs to be done that day. Right? Yeah. Right, right. And that's pretty right. normal. To, You're you used know. to it. Mm-hmm. That's what comes naturally. That's that life links. That's that DNA. It's like, this is all you know, and you don't think twice about it. So right. would you advise uh, other Latinas then in a professional position, when they are speaking their professional assertion, when they are going forward and being confident, moving on and demanding, requesting to be promoted, to have a raise. And if they're met instead of acceptance with uh, rejection or with dismissal, which is more typical, that then it's time to move on yes. rather than feel they are not worthy of it. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say before you even ended with that question. A lot of times we don't realize that if I can go on ahead like a little bit more religiously, but God is always out there protecting us when there is something we're forcing it upon ourselves. Ah. And a lot of times we are forcing ourselves to stay within that company. Mm hmm. And we should not be there. Maybe there's something else that's out there available to us. And it might not necessarily be just the company. It might also be the field. It just depends. But if you're experiencing that level of rejection or um, this door feels like it's closing on you, you feel like you're not getting anywhere, even though you've communicated on what your needs are, then you simply need to go elsewhere. It would be the same thing with a personal relationship. If you feel as though you've communicated what your needs are and they're not being met, and then that's not the relationship with you and you wouldn't stay in it and you would go elsewhere. It's the same thing with, you know, professional. If we're not feeling as though our professional needs are being met, it's either because the organization isn't in alignment with what we're desiring yet at that time. 
maybe they have yet to innovate a little bit more. Um, or like I said, maybe you're just in the wrong field for yourself and you could be looking elsewhere. But it's hard for us to do that when it comes to a job or a career because we have been taught you're supposed to be grateful for what you have right now. You have more than even what your generations have had before you. You should stay at that job. That's a great job. It pays you X amount of dollars. But you wouldn't say that to someone who was in a relationship that wasn't feeling like they were getting everything out of the relationship either. You shouldn't feel that Mm -hmm. same thing in a job. But speaking of relationship, that's another cultural standard that's very difficult generationally to move beyond because I don't know what it's like for younger Latinas now, but I was told at no cost for a lot of different reasons, the Catholic reason, the cultural reason, and then, you know, blend in and be seen as strong reason. We feel trapped and that we don't have a choice. And and again, kudos to your mother for being so brave. But I was told not to leave a relationship. I was told I would be excommunicated from the church. I would be ostracized from my peers. And literally, and shame on the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle, for ever publishing this article. But literally, she had clipped out this article from the newspaper that claimed that children, and this would have been 96, 1996, so very much the same time your mom was like, you know what? <laughs> but she slid across the table this article that said, children of single mothers will drop out of high school, will become teen moms, will be drug addicts, will never have a job. And okay, so both culturally and societally, you're being told that you have to just stay within the confines of what we consider acceptable or else you will fail. It's Mm -hmm. not always going to be that consistent progression year Mm -hmm. over year. But if in that 10-year span, you're able to see yourself, you know, growing so much, that's what matters. We're allowed to have our years where we're falling a little bit, but we have to be on this um, metric where we're putting ourselves to, say, five years from now or 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Did I grow so much more? Yeah. Those spans, I call them life chunks, that you frame your life in life chunks. And for me, that's five years. If you want something as a result, frame it out five years, because it's going to probably take that long to at least put everything in motion and allow for the organic occurrence of life to happen. Otherwise, you're on a controlled, right? If you want it to happen in a month, then you're blocking out the natural aspect of life and and just putting yourself on this single track towards that one goal in a month, which maybe, maybe it's like, I need a job in a month. Yes, things like that. But outcomes, outcomes for how you see yourself to move within a life chunk. Yeah. It liberates you from any of those sideway motions or any of the unknowns that are going to happen in life and disrupt for a little while. But you have the space within mm-hmm. those life chunks. You have the space for that. And then you don't get angry and you don't get upset because you have the time to still be operating and staying present in that moment to revel it 
for whatever is happening to embrace it because you never know, like mm -hmm. happened with you, the universe is mm -hmm. saying, you know what, we're going to do it a little differently. We see the big picture and we're going to move you a little differently. Bear mm -hmm. with us. <laughs> right. So I'm a director of strategy. And the reason why I love what I do so much is we monitor our data analysis. We see what those risks are, what the concerns are. And we're constantly strategizing to say, how do we mitigate that risk? How do we fill that gap right there? When we're looking at statistics, which are true data information, mm -hmm. such as the wage gap analysis that has been mm -hmm. put out there year over year, that's true data statistical information. But what is the thing that we're doing to change that forecast model? Has uh -huh. there been a different strategy that was performed? You know, is there something else that is being sought for different generational Latinas? So younger generational Latinas, are we empowering them and telling them there are these other things that you could be doing? Mm -hmm. Are we also speaking to women who are feeling as though they're stuck in those marriages, stuck in those relationships, mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily need to be there? We often feel as though we have to be in those relationships for security reasons, for reasons of shelter and finances and things like that. Well, my kids are eating, and at least we have a roof over our head. But if you change those things, because more than likely, those types of households where you're considering leaving or wanting to leave or you're not getting fulfilled, you're either hearing things about yourself that aren't necessarily true in a negative light, or you're even telling yourself something that is negative. You know, that stress and that frustration will carry into yourself. It's very draining emotionally. Yeah. If you're yeah. dealing with that in your life, then that's going to carry off into everything else. And once you're able to free yourself from that, then you're going to flourish. But the main thing is changing the strategy. It's not working. It hasn't been working. So you have to change what that strategy is. Like something has to be a little bit different in your life. And then you can start to re-strategize on, you know, everything else. So then that way you can have a more positive outcome if we all did that together collectively, whether it's changing what our family dynamic looks like or what our position is that we're holding, that we're not getting our needs fulfilled professionally, if we're changing those things little by little in order to elevate ourselves, that's when the whole compiled data will begin to shift up. Wow. I love that. Your personality and the way you carried yourself in your life was exactly this. Did you realize there was a professional career that would carry those exact needs? Data analysis. This is exactly the way you've been living your life. And oh, here's a professional career that will pay you well for being that for them. Right. I had zero idea. I had no idea whatsoever. When I applied for the job to be revenue manager, I remember speaking in the interview and I'm direct and I'm upfront, totally transparent and saying I have zero experience in hotels 
but I understand, you know, data analysis and what forecast models should look like, things like that. We ended up agreeing on me taking the position. That's when I realized that I was living my life as a forecast model. When I sat there in my Thea's house with the baby at one year old and said, we were only live here for a year. I took that one year and I broke it down into quarters of my life. No kidding. No kidding. I broke it down into quarters and I said, (laughs) this is where you have to be four months from now. This is where you're going to be four months after that. And, you know, I just continued on three months from now, this three months from now, that by giving myself that three month interval and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, that's how the fourth month should look because you've done this for three months, this first quarter of your, (laughs) of your new life plan. (laughs) I wasn't there by that fourth month. Yeah. I allowed myself not to feel as though how I failed on this, but just to say, okay, well, we had this that happened. That's okay. Because the end of the year goal, like your year to date is what matters for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended up working for me. It just made Hmm. so much sense to me because that is the thing. It's like your year to date goal is what matters the most. And you're just breaking those up into little life chunks like you were talking about. Breaking those up into little life chunks. Uh huh. Things are going to happen that you don't project to happen, such as, you know, COVID. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to see what the following year is going to look like based off of that. But little by little, things will get better to where you're going to begin to see some trends. And that's how we should also view everything in our life too. Stuff's going to happen that's going to make you fall back that is totally out of your control. There's sickness, yeah. there's injury, anything like that. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. you're experiencing sickness, injury, or being laid off six, uh, you know, six months in between two times, you have to tell yourself yeah. that it's all happening because something better is out there. Something greater is going to be transpiring. Or if you're not feeling as though you're being fulfilled in some way in your life, you are responsible to change things to where you are becoming more fulfilled. Oh, I love it. (laughs) We have our cafecito moments. Is there a local place you would give a shout out to? Whenever I go get my hair done by my hairstylist, who turned into my comadre. Oh. Yeah, she asked me to be godmother of her children. When they oh. were receiving their sacrament, mm-hmm. we got really. Oh, close. how about a blessing? Mm-hmm. What's the name of her business? So Give her, her shout business out. is Salon Nine Twenty Two, and she's in Whiting, Indiana. Her and oh. her friend Lily, they co-own the hair salon. Oh, awesome! Mm-hmm. Shout out Erica Vasquez and Lily Gonzalez. Shop. Oh, awesome. Yes, because you look gorgeous. Oh, it's like flawless. There is always this flawless. She does my nice touch-ups on me. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Beautifully done. Yes. Shout out for that. Forget the cafecito place when you have... <laughs> I have two questions left for you. In your lifetime, what is the one thing that you want to have happen that you can look back at the end of life and go, oh, wow. Okay, I am satisfied. I'm happy. I'm joyful. So I know that I, at some point, want to be able to get involved into people analytics just so I can get a better understanding 
of how people are feeling. Eventually, I can get to a point where I can be on a platform somewhere, some stage where I can speak to women in general, motivationally, to say, like, this is how you get out of this, and this is what this statistic shows, and this is you changing what that statistic is, and, you know, this is how we're overcoming that. I've always told Eva that she's going to be right there on the side of the stage with me. And then when she gets older, I'm going to be on the side of the stage with her. Um, And if my passion is to help women get out of that darkness and to step into that light, I'd love to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yes. And I like that you back it up with data, with hard fact, because to have someone say and acknowledge Yes, this is the hard fact, and this is how we're going to get here because this is also the hard fact. It's helpful. It's like a tethering that you can really believe that this can happen because there's proof. So I love right. that. Yes, I would I would buy that ticket. I would be in the audience. I'll be there. Okay, and the closing question then, because you are very straightforward. You've shared so much with us and we are really grateful for talking about some really difficult conversations and your vulnerability along with your strength and your intelligence. What is the one thing that nobody would think about you? What would surprise people about you? One thing that I find to be challenging of and people probably wouldn't think that at all is I don't take the time to celebrate myself in the present. And that's something that I really want to work on. I don't see it as a weakness. You know, there is no negative way that I look at myself. But I definitely have recognized that if a person who is seen to be outgoing, happy, loving themselves, all those other things, that's also a person who celebrates themselves. I think that it would be something that others could see as egocentric. And that's why, you know, I don't necessarily do that, you know. You just kind of want to stay, this is a thing that I've done. This is great. Okay, what's the next thing that I'm going to do? But if you're not able to celebrate what those things are present day, be happy about them now, That's not going to plant those little seeds of a new growth pattern to come. You have to be excited about the things that you're doing right now, the things that you're living in right now. That's kind of why I look at my uh, gratitude journals from previous years for those reminders to say, you had no idea that you were going to get here and look at where you are now. So yeah, celebrating myself would be something surprising for people that they wouldn't really think that about me well we are definitely giving you all the accolades here because sitting in it and hearing you say it out loud and having time to contemplate it it's like wow wow you are beautifully yes confident resilient woman but sit back in it agreed sit back in it and just go damn girl Mm Wow. Yes. We celebrate you for sure. Thank you. Thank you so, so very, very much for spending time with us and sharing your story and really bringing that sense of encouragement and 
confidence that will really infuse all of us. I just felt like absorbing what you were saying and applying it for myself. I really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much for inviting me to the conversation. This has been amazing. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Beautiful. Ah, oh, I love this. Be sure to check out Leticia's article, Powered by Positive Thoughts, on our website at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. She wrote this article, and the positive message will have you soaring in confidence and joy. I assure you, I promise you, it will lift you up, so don't miss it. There are so many gems to take away from this episode and really sink into them next week on our Pod Club episode of Leticia Lopez. Of all the highlights Leticia brought forward today, I love the idea that as a Latina, living the life filled with a Latina way of doing life, we are naturally data scientists, assessing what's happening and how to get to our next goal with whatever resources we may have. I mean, it's brilliant, right? It's just amazing that there is a career that literally mimics our life. So tune in next week to catch more of these ideas and please share this podcast with your friends, post it on your social media and tag LifeLinks so we can get these messages out to whoever needs to hear them. If we aren't writing our own narrative and helping each other create it, then we are leaving it in someone else's hands to speak for us. So step into your truth, ladies. Ciao! Really appreciate the time you take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at LifeLinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva!